0: House of Kayfabe. House of Kayfabe presents the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: AEW Dynamite.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to House of Kayfabe presents the good The Bad and the Ugly. And we're going to dissect the good from the bad from the ugly on AEW Dynamite from tonight for us and probably last night for you if you're listening to it the day that it posts. But... Regardless, I'm usually here with two people, and tonight is no different. Stephen P. New is with me right now. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Brian Reznor. What's up, man? Oh, man, just watching some AEW Dynamite, trying to dissect the good from the bad, from the ugly, and it was kind of hard tonight. I'm, I'm not sure that there was good or bad or ugly or just a bunch of okay, but we'll get into that, and we've got a third man, and the third man is not Mabel. No, it is Matt Mullins. Matt Mullins, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. Although I feel like I might be West Virginia's Mabel sometimes. Oh, do you feel that way? (laughs) I might be Mabel, who knows?
2: The third man is not Mabel. It is Matt Mullins tonight. (laughs) And we are talking AEW Dynamite. And we might as well go into, I mean, just like I said in the beginning, it's not good, it's not bad, it's not ugly, but... It's okay. The Bucks versus Top Flight. I, I, First of all, I don't know why Top Flight's in this match because we don't really know much about them. But you may know more about them, Matt Mullins, because you watch a show called Dark.
1: Ten four, I do. So, uh, Top Flight impressed me. The problem that I have with Dark is the same problem that I have with Dynamite, is I feel like that there's not enough... Uh, there's not enough entertainment leading. You, you don't have enough skin in the game to care about the matches, right? A lot of the time. So and and I want that build up. I mean, I'm an old school wrestling fan, so I want I want Top Flight to come out and cut a promo on the Bucks, and then you know like that's what I want. I just don't want the match to start. And I think that uh, with Dark, it was the same scenario. Uh, they all their matches just kind of start no build up no storyline, <clears throat> but they're I mean they are great they're they they have a good look and they're they definitely have talent. Yeah, it's they're definitely Devon's talented. Kids,
2: right? No, that's yeah. not Devon's kids, is it?
1: I thought one of them was.
2: No, I think TNT. TNT is it? Am I uh, wrong?
1: TNT. Yeah, no. you're right. It is TNT because Taz talks about them in Dark. But anyway, but yeah, yeah. the. The everything I saw from Top Flight, they look good. Uh, there is a group that I wanted to mention real quick: Billy Gunn's kids. Now, a big yawner of a match on Dark. However, they got some skills and really annoying. So I think they could be great heels. Right. Gun I just Club. just to
2: go back for a second: Terrence and Terrell Hughes. That's uh, that's Devon's kids. I'm
0: so sorry about that, Brian. And,
2: and they are TNT. So uh, yeah. That, that that the wrong guys there but th- these guys were talented i just don't understand why they're in that spot and honestly why TNT wasn't in that spot really because if you're going to put a no name tag team that no one on, that watches dynamite is going to know then i would go with the ones that are Devon Dudley's sons over anyone else that i can think of where do you, i mean but you, you watch dark so where do you stand i mean have you seen top flight on dark cuz i don't watch dark at all
1: I have. Uh, I mean, again, it's it's kind of like dynamite where you don't know why that they're making the matches that they are because overall there's no. I mean, besides like a few of the main card matches, there's no real build in the storyline. Well, correct that's, me. Correct me to if me, I'm that's wrong. What's
2: missing? Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: It, it's basically
2: sort of like AEW's NXT on one side because it's it's the guys who are trying out versus the established guys on dark correct?
1: No, no, not all the time. It, it, a lot of the time it is kind of two no names. Like they have somebody maybe that, that has a little bit more talent, but overall I, I think the show is it's B show, but I, I don't, they're just seeing what they got. Like they're giving them entrances. And I, I, that was one of my notes that like, why give them both entrances when you don't really know either of them, like right. just, just, just put one in the ring. Like yeah. an old school squash match, and then and, and <laughs> give the other one an entrance. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a different, it's different than NXT in a lot of ways to me. I think that it has some really good qualities. The uh, announced team is gets really bored. I found, uh, throughout the matches, I made a lot, man. I made way too many notes on this on dark. Uh, Yeah. On dark. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't need that many notes on dark, but no, but there were some really good moments too. Like, I mean, I I think that, uh, jungle express is definitely like, like overused in dark, but I mean, for good reason too, they've got a lot to offer, but I think if, if, um, I mean, just put them in the main show is, you know, you don't need the, you don't need them in dark 2.
2: I'm still torn on Jurassic Express because, I, of course, I, I see that Jungle Boy is extremely talented and Luchasaurus is extremely talented in a way, sort of. Right. And Marco's stunt, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm kind of Jim Cornettish on Marco's stunt. I can't, I can't really get down with Marco, and, and I really think Jungle Boy could do something, but I don't, I, can, I cannot wrap my brain around. A person with a dinosaur face that I'm supposed to, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I got down with it kind of in Lucha Underground because the masks were like super, super good, but with the Luchasaurus thing, I, I'm still, I'm still not sold on Luchasaurus and I'm definitely not sold or not going to be sold on, on, uh, Marco Stunt.
1: With Marco stun, I think he needs more of like a the Spike Dudley role where he you don't give him like offense through the whole match. He just keeps getting up, and I think that that's where they're kind of messing up with him because like he he kept like mounting offense and it wasn't believable.
0: Steve, where do you stand on Jurassic Express? I really like Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I like Luchasaurus. I think he's very talented. Although, um, it looks to me like he hasn't trained enough. Um, I think Dark's probably the right place for Luchasaurus. I think Jungle Boy um, is a main roster, main show talent. And Marco Stunt, how he ever wrestled his first match anywhere ever doing anything (laughs) is beyond my ability to comprehend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's get to the show that we're actually talking about here. This is the Bucks. And, and top flight in the beginning, and, and I know we talked about it for a second there, but wh- where did you stand on this match? Did, like, I, I didn't hate the match, but I didn't love the match, but it, my view is that it was not anywhere near necessary at all. I agree. I think putting them on the show, cool. Bring them up.
0: Show them on the show. Put them against the champs first night. Wow. Yeah.
2: What's the purpose of that?
0: But a 12-minute match where everybody's got to get all their acrobatics in? Give yeah. me a break. 12 minutes, guys. Yeah. It was a,
2: it was I, a good portion. I all right. I, I'm surprised it was only 12 minutes. I thought it was more like 16, 17. Oh, I, I know
0: it felt longer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it felt with like with a London long time. buck And Road Warrior Buck, and they've got to get all their thigh slaps in and all the other stuff and the flippity-flurps. And, you know, you got two teams of flippity-flurps. So, and I mean, and Derek would choke me, you know, if he hears me putting down the young bucks, but I just, goodness gracious.
1: Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not over the bucks. I'm not over on the bucks at all. You, you don't, don't like know. the bucks either? No. See, I no, like I'm, the bucks. I, I dig the bucks. I dig their attitude,
2: but I've always liked them. I even liked them when they were generation me and there's not a whole lot of us out there that liked them when they were generation me in, uh, in TNA. But but nevertheless, I've always liked them. But I'm not always a fan of what they what they do when they're in charge. Like as far as AEW goes,
1: yeah, I mean the gimmick. It just seems so tired to me. Like it, the, the the overall like Street Fighter uh, patent leather. Yeah, IU, I just I, it's it's just it's tired and awful to me. <laughs> okay, so when we come out
2: of this, we're going into this uh, first part of the Vegas skit with MJF and and Chris Jericho. I'm not gonna lie, Conan, I popped for Conan.
1: I was I was, sure. I was <laughs> I glad
2: do. to see Conan come out. I was glad to see them do the uh, drug reference in the skit. That was kind of hilarious. That they're all stoned and. In the, uh, that, I mean, so far with this first part, and of course we're going to talk about the other part as, as well later. But this first part, I, I was a fan of. I, I
0: liked this; it was funny. I I did too. I I didn't like the musical sing along that that Jericho and MJF did, but this with all seven of them, I can't believe that AEW greenlit something that highlighted. Alcohol intoxication and marijuana smoking. I mean, that is, yeah. Weed's legal in Vegas. Well, and you You had, you you had dude from uh,
2: Proud. uh, He was doing the the workout at the end like he was blasted on Coke. So,
0: I mean, it kind of went, it kind of went all over the place. (laughs) Sure, sure. I mean, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm just surprised that AEW and those people greenlit. That segment, yeah, me too. I wonder, like, how much uh,
2: how much of that goes past anybody in like standards and practices. Is there a standards and practice? I feel like people drop shit in spout, in spots like all the time, and, and it seems like that's not okay, but they still get away with it. Or, or am I wrong here? Is, is shit now acceptable on television? I think shit damn in hell has been cool for a while, but yeah. but I mean in that. In that level? To, to I mean, well, I mean, and they said, I think I heard, uh, didn't we hear goddamn on AEW? No, they bleeped
0: out Moxley's GD tonight.
1: Oh, okay. All right,
0: all right, yeah.
2: all, right all right, all right. Gotcha.
1: I, I love Jericho, though. I mean, so much. And I actually liked the musical thing from uh, last week or whatever. I mean, it was so corny. I mean, I I but I enjoyed it. So after we come out of this first part
2: of the Vegas skit, we go into Kip Sabian versus orange Cassidy and it's matches like this that make Jim Cornette sound like he knows what he's talking about when it comes to orange Cassidy, because you know, and I don't always agree with Jim because orange Cassidy has done some really cool stuff. The stuff he did with Jericho was very entertaining. I was really into that. He has definitely won me over in the last six months But when you put him in the ring with somebody who can't lead the match, like tonight, you could obviously see there was two people that are used to someone else leading the match.
1: I I mean, it it
2: reminded me of Will Hobbs versus uh, Cage. Uh, When Brian Cage and and Will Hobbs had their match, it was like two guys who had never wrestled before thrown in a ring and like, do it, guys, make a match.
0: And that's kind of and neither of these guys could obviously call the match. Yeah. Their connections with each other at various points in time, it looked like they were barely touching one another. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know what? I noticed
2: that about Kip Sabian when we went to Miami. When we went to yes. Miami to uh, AEW Bash at the Beach, at, at, when we seen Kip Sabian, it was on Dark too. He he was on Dark, right. and it was yeah. it was so bad. And I was like, man, I, I thought this guy was a lot better than this. But it was he was so off on everything that he was doing by almost a foot, and you well, notice that he tonight can't with Orange Cassidy, throw a
0: punch or a kick, and he can't sell a punch or a kick.
2: Yeah, and Orange Cassidy without that leadership. Now you give Orange Cassidy some solid leadership, he'll put on whatever kind of match you're trying to put on, and I have no
1: no doubts in him in that department. So, so what if they would have put a Frank Kazarian in there? Why why would they not use that? You know, like, right? I mean, like his match on on Dark. Was the the best match? Like, I'm well, like, Frankie why, Kazarian. Why would they have this match. Frankie Kazarian's
2: yeah. incredible. I mean, yeah. he can have a good match any day of the week. And if you put Frankie Kazarian in there
1: with Orange Cassidy, you would have a classic, no doubt. Yeah. Why, so why I don't understand why on the main show that they're putting two two together that aren't aren't leaders. You know Kemp? what I'm saying? I mean? If
0: they're going to try to have this rivalry over the unplugged video game <laughs> with, with Miro <laughs> and Kip Sabian, right? And best friends. Oh, okay. Tell that storyline on dark.
2: Yeah, know, that's a great
0: dark storyline. If one of the other best friends or Orange Cassidy is going to wrestle Kip Sabian, get that off of TNT running 10 or 11 minutes.
2: So next up, after we get out of this, which I, I really thought was just not not even something that we needed to have, that the, these two didn't even need to go one-on-one. I think it would have been even better if you'd had Kip Sabian versus one of the best friends. Orange, Orange Cassidy, and this guy did not mix. But either way, when we come out of this, I want to bring to, to your attention, Steve, that for the last three weeks, I've been talking about Kenny Omega, and we talk about the fact that Kenny Omega is not the Kenny Omega from Japan. Like he was the best in the world, and everybody wanted him. <laughs> New Japan wrest, New New Japan Pro Wrestling, WWE, AEW, all offering this guy contracts because he was. The best in the world. AEW won that negotiation. They got the best in the world, and then they didn't get the best in the world. They got Kenny Omega coming out, just half-assing his entire run in AEW, and now I've been (laughs) bitching about it. I've been bitching about it for three solid weeks here on the show and now we see a difference in Kenny Omega. And it's not just the heel turn. It's that this guy is now focused on taking that responsibility of being the best in the world, and I think it's the best thing in the world for him.
0: I mean, I applaud AEW. And I applaud the four EVPs for not putting the belts on themselves immediately. It would have been really easy for Cody and the Bucks and Kenny, to put the belts on themselves. Start of the company, the Bucks win the tag tournament, you come up with a, a secondary title like the TNT title, and then you make Kenny Omega your world heavyweight champion. That's That would have been easy for them. But for them to go for 13, 14, 15, 16 months before that happens, uh, I think that's pretty cool. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see – God have mercy, though, he puts you to sleep on the mic. I, I you mean, know what? I think I, that's
2: why they didn't do this contract signing. because They <laughs> were like, man, Kenny is really bad in these situations, <laughs> especially trying to make him play a heel. I mean, if he's going to be a heel and he's going to do this contract signing, you're just going to expose the holes in Kenny Omega. And, and yeah. I, I think that's why they did the whole somebody attacked John Moxley in the back But I do have to say something about that. I I will put that, since I can't really put a whole lot of things on the ugly department, I will put that on the ugly department. Moxley being attacked in the back, and and that happens to people literally every week. It's like the most unsafe place to work ever. If you're working there, you're going to get attacked by somebody randomly out of nowhere, and the cameras are going to get there right as you're laying on your ass with your belt perfectly placed beside of you. What, like, guys, there's got to be more... Cre- this is where that whole, we're not going to have writers. Yeah, writers do suck when they suck, but they, writers make sure that they don't leave open-ended shit
1: and repeat the same storyline every single week. Right, but again, what like... Uh, going back to that whole storyline build like Kenny can't talk i think that we all know that like he's right. not great on the mic but what like they have they have the talent there like give Jake Roberts give Kenny Jake Roberts and let let him do something with him like i hate that they let Lance Archer talk so much because Jake's so good and Lance Lance talks you into a circle like Big you, Papa Pump doing math.
2: No, I feel like Lance is learning how to cut a promo from Jake. Like yeah. the, I think when when Jake's done, Lance is going to know how to cut a promo. And I'll tell you exactly why they wouldn't put Jake with Kenny. It's because Kenny would look
0: like a midget.
2: You yeah. couldn't. You could not have Jake. Jake and Kenny couldn't look big beside of Jake.
0: Lance Surely there's can. somebody out there though. Uh, to Matt's point, there's somebody out there. Yeah, someone who can talk. For Kenny Omega and, you know, make Omega's gimmick be, hey, I do all of my talking in the ring, right? Now, I'm not going to stand out here with a microphone and, you know, try to talk people in the building or anything like that. People are coming in the building to watch my athletic abilities. And get and Leo get Rush. Him someone on the <laughs> mic. Yeah. yeah, give yeah. him give him Leo Rush. Yeah, <laughs> Leo Rush <laughs> would be perfect for that.
2: You just he just needs a hype man. He really does. He, he, he needs a hype he needs man. a mouthpiece for sure. For sure, I would agree with that one hundred percent. So now um, we move into this next match. We've got the Blade versus Pack. Uh, I am a huge Pack fan, and I'm really starting to like the Blade. One thing that I could say though is if my hair look like the blades, I would shave it all off there. And I mean, I shave my head anyway, but I, I'm not bald. I'm not balding. I just shave it as a choice, but either way, if I was balding, like, uh, Mr. Blade, I would definitely shave my head as soon as possible. Did you, did you notice
1: how much that
2: stood out tonight or was it just me?
1: Uh, Well, I saw it, but I, I didn't, I didn't have hair envy because I'm a receder as well. (laughs) So. <laughs> there
0: was one particular camera angle when he got pinned That was the total, like, top of his head Yeah You yeah. could see when he got pinned He looked like a friar. Well, yeah, yeah Yeah, that was the He that, looked like a, a, a bleach blonde friar tuck
2: Yeah, exactly, and that, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying I, I, But I, now, with that being said, I really like the blade <laughs> I think he's really <laughs> awesome if he just shaved his head, I would have nothing bad to
0: say about him. But this match, what did you think? I really like this match. Oh, yeah. Both these guys can go. I mean, yeah. it's great to see Pac back, back in a ring. Um, you know, he was battling from underneath for most of the match. Uh, <laughs> and um, the blade, he's obviously really, really good. Yeah, Definitely.
2: I think a singles run is is definitely in the cards for him if he sticks around because uh, he he could definitely pull it off. He kind of reminds me he reminds me of Arn Anderson mixed with someone else. You get that? I'm vibe am sure it's at all? not
0: just the hairline, but he reminds me a good bit of Cesaro. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. kind of does remind me of Cesaro. Cesaro yeah, he reminds me of Cesaro. I think Cesaro is a whole lot more talented than and Cesaro than Wade.
2: and Cesaro also pulls off the Jason Statham where it's okay to be balding you know if you're jason Statham, you can run around balding and you still look like a badass and get all the women but uh and and i think cesaro pulls that off but uh the blade is not pulling it off he's got the fryer thing
1: going on i think the tag team the butcher and blade are, are in i mean they're in my top three you know all over i just think that they're i think that they're the total package they got they have the look but uh but they've been job job guys. That's the problem that
2: I have with the butcher and the blade is, is they kind of pushed them up like, Oh, these guys are going to be the shit. And they're like, Oh, we're going to have them lose to every single person they ever get in (laughs) a ring with every time. And we want you to still believe they're amazing guys.
1: But I would put pack up there in the, in the top three talents that AEW has for sure. It's just, he's just awesome to watch. It's, Crazy. I, it,
2: it, he really got over with me with the uh, promo he cut on Dynamite a few weeks back where he was doing the different – where it was him, and then he was also standing here, and he was over here, and he was over there, and there was like six or seven packs all arguing with each other. That mm. was very creative, I thought. But, uh, yeah, I really like this match. I, I The the end where we, we turn into a a segment with the Eddie Kingston and, and the Butcher and the Blade, and then we've got Ray Phoenix coming down. And then the question is, is Pinta – going to go with Eddie Kingston, or is he going to go with his brother? And then, of course, he goes with um, Eddie Kingston because otherwise, how would the six-man – or he goes against Eddie Kingston because otherwise, how would the six-man tag work?
0: Now, I like that program. And finally, you've got Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade, in a program that they can work. That means something. You know, and thank goodness we've got uh, – x there to tell us about the death triangle, however you say. Uh, and you know, that's the. Triangle Marerta, or whatever he called it.
2: That's the uh, thing. That's the thing with, the, with them talking about the death triangle. They're like, oh, the death triangle reunion. It's happening. This, that thing happened for what? Two seconds? Nobody remembers that. You barely told that story, and it didn't last but for two seconds. No one even knew why they were even teaming up. To begin with, <laughs> and then you're gonna run the no. oh, it's a reunion. What <laughs> right, is this? Is a, a, the it's four not horsemen the fuck, just yeah. Got back together? Yeah, or it's not the fucking four horsemen. It's three guys that you didn't know what to do with. So you slapped them together, and then one of them <laughs> got said, hurt. Call them the Death Triangle. Yeah, come on, man.
0: I that I didn't. But I am that. gonna like that program though because I like Eddie Kingston. I like the Butcher and the Blade, and yeah. you match those up against three guys, the Lucha Brothers, and Pack. That I don't know that you have any other programs. For those guys at the moment. So you've got to come up with something. If you think of old Southern style territorial wrestling, you know, there were programs just like this, you know, mid card programs where, you know, guys that you may plan to give a push to in six months or a year, you got to do something with them right now. So, you know, this is as good as anything else. You know, while I was watching it, and, and don't get me wrong, the
2: MJF thing is really entertaining, and I'm really getting into the MJF Jericho uh, storyline here with the inner circle. But you know who would have been a really good fit for that for that whole angle instead of instead of having MJF in that spot? Having Eddie Kingston want to be a part of the inner circle would have made more sense because of a Proud and Powerful. It would have made more sense because uh, you wouldn't have put, you know, MJF in that whole rap and had to bring in Wardlow and everybody else. It could have just been Eddie Kingston and, and then the, the trust factor of two of them trusting him, Jericho kind of trusting him, the other two not. It, it, it could have been entertaining too. Not saying that the MJF one is not entertaining because it definitely is, but Eddie Kingston could have de- definitely jumped in that spot too.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I like Eddie Kingston a lot. Yeah, he's good. I just – I just feel like, though, again, even with the main show, I feel like that there's only like three storylines for the, you know, for the entire program, and and, the, and a bunch of matches that don't make any sense. Well, when we come out of this uh, segment with Penta
2: and Ray, we we go into seeing Jade stomping Brandy's arm. This this situation has gotten really out of control for a bitch that we just heard about last week. <laughs> we we have no idea anything about her, and she's already so breaking Brandy's arm. On Brandy's elbow. Yeah, and then here comes Big Swole out of nowhere, just just really you know, you don't you barely have a speaking role and you're not even wrestling, and you still ruin the entire segment that was already ruined from the
0: gate. Let me tell you the beauty of this segment. It was 30 seconds long. <laughs> that was the beauty of this segment it was it was 30 seconds long so when uh, when AWs in Charleston
1: <clears throat> my favorite my one of my favorite I, definitely in the top two favorite moments was big swell coming out and we we all just uh, everybody in my section becomes the Swole patrol. To it as if we just start cheering this girl on, and it became a thing that I was like, I don't know who this is, but I don't know what the fuck's going on. We're just going after it, <laughs> Swole she, Patrol. <laughs> she is.
2: She has slowly became one of my least favorite <laughs> AEW performers out there. I just, I just can't see, it. and I think that a lot of it has to do with her name because her name's Big Swole, and she's not that big. It like if your name's Big Swole, you should be Nicole Baptize. You know what I mean <laughs> that That would fit that name. But if you are I'm
1: on the swole, swole Patrol, bro, if you're I don't even
2: know. yeah, <laughs> if you're 135 pounds, you can't call yourself Big Swole. But that's just one of many things that I dislike about her. <laughs> um, when we come out of this 30 second segment, we've got uh, a woman's match here between Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. This match was not bad. One thing, why do we always let the women's match, regardless of whether it's good or bad, because I'm not going to say this match was bad because it wasn't. And I want to make sure that I I stress that because usually women's matches on AEW are bad. And they still get the commercial break. We'll be right back with more of this action you don't want to fucking see. What are you doing? Like, let's get these matches done in like six minutes and move to the next segment. Stretching shit out like that, it keeps
0: people off TV that should be on TV. That, that's exactly right. This roster is really deep, you yeah. know, and uh, there's no sense for some of this talent to be over on Dark when you could have them on the main roster on the main show telling good stories, but instead, like you said, instead of a good, and I understand it's an NWA women's title match. I don't understand why there's both an NWA women's heavyweight championship being defended in AEW and an AEW women's heavyweight championship. I know, but did you see that's That's neither here nor there. Um, did you hear Jr.
2: putting over Billy Corgan?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I and, did think and that then, was cool. And that's fantastic. Uh, love to see that cross-branding. But tell the story in six or seven minutes and then go to commercial. Come back with a fresh match. Yeah, you could have – I mean, this was a good
2: match and you still could have got it done in one segment without breaking it up through the commercial break. When you, When you don't – I mean, like, I remember – Watching, watching wrestling, you know, in in the heyday of watching it, and they would go to break in the middle of something. They'd always go to the break in the middle of something awesome, and you're like, "Oh man, I can't wait till they come back from break to see what the hell's going on." But if you do that with something that's not awesome, you lose viewers. It's, I mean, it's just something that happens. I I, I don't know why you would make that decision. Is is my point.
1: So last night they did a. I completely agree with what we say, what you said about the women's division. But the uh, Britt Baker had a segment called the waiting room last night. It was like very much like Piper's pit or whatever, and it was super entertaining. Yeah, Britt's and entertaining. So they, I think. Yeah, Britt. I think she's comfortable behind the mic. I think she's awesome. But then they show a women's match that you just don't give a shit about because there's like, I mean, not to down the women's division, but the matches they're putting on suck they need to the, they need they have the talent again the, the roster's deep like Britt baker's awesome uh thunder rose is awesome i mean they have the ability to do it it's just they're not piecing them together and it's just turning into yawners
2: see one thing i can say about aew is with the world title with the aew world
1: heavyweight championship
2: they have 100 picked the exact champions that i would have picked if i was if i was booking this show I would have definitely had Jericho be the first champion. I would have definitely had Moxley beat him for it. And I would definitely be gearing Kenny Omega up to take it from Moxley. Exactly what they're doing. But with the women's division, they've had some really big opportunities. Like the first big opportunity was put the belt on Brandy. Make Brandy the one, since everybody was like, oh, uh, the Bucks and Cody and Omega, they're all going to go and start a company and put the belts on themselves. Okay, so they don't do that. And we see them not doing that. But have Brandy do it. Brandy right. does put the belt on herself. And when she was walking around with Awesome Kong, she could have done that and made the women's division, and it wouldn't even have had to have been good matches. It would have been entertaining, and that would have worked. Or they also had the opportunity to run Nyla Rose like a bulldozer over the entire division and beat these women Within an inch of their life, that too would have been entertaining and you wouldn't need that many technicians to pull that off. They've just continuously done the wrong thing with the women's division and it's it's produced a shit division that I don't
1: know that they can even get out of. It's like they painted themselves in a corner. And this is right, to, this is right towards the end. What, uh, where at in the show was this match? Like what time?
2: Um, it was, this match it was, was about 940.
1: Yeah, it was like 930. So, 930. Um, so still a prime spot that you want people to be watching. Right. Yeah, it's a big, great <laughs> spot. And we're no. all talking about how it was a yawner.
0: The match, but the match itself was good. It yeah, was it wasn't too bad. long. The match, itself, both these ladies can go. They really can. As, as far as their technical wrestling. You know, the stuff with Britt Baker, at first I was going to get a little honked off that you come out and do the interference angle and then they continue to wrestle for five minutes. That makes no sense whatsoever until the, after the match when Thunder Rosa went out there, uh, jerk Britt Baker over the ring rail by the hair of her head. And then commenced to beat her, had to have a referee pull apart. That kind of stuff. I, I liked that actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you could have done a five minute match between Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa and Had Britt Baker interfered to assist Serena Deeb in getting the win, then come back from commercial with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker trying to tear each other's guts out?
2: I think that I would have definitely put the Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb in the spot of Kip Sabian and Orange Cassidy. And I would have moved the contract signing to the end, I believe, is what I would have done. And and you know how I would get over you? We were talking about how we need to put Kenny Omega with a mouthpiece. You know what would be a great idea for Kenny Omega is that now he is so big that he doesn't talk. He refuses to speak to the press or refuses to speak in a microphone and has someone else do his talking for him. That would be how you get over the fact that Kenny can't talk for shit. Sure. I agree. All right, so we go into the last match here. We've got Cody. And Co- I'm going to say Cody Rhodes. I'm not just going to say Cody. I'm going to say Cody Rhodes. we got Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. And, of course, this match is going to be good because everybody in it is good, and everybody in it is entertaining. Well, Where did you guys stand on this match? I like everybody, but
1: Ricky Starks.
2: You like everybody but Ricky Starks? I feel yeah, like Ricky I'm Starks not, is I'm money.
1: I'm not into him, man. I think that it's he's got this Robbie E. thing that I'm just not into. Oh, um, man, I'm a good friend. I, li- I like Robbie <laughs> E. Robbie's my buddy. <laughs> I like Robbie, but, uh,
0: but yeah. I, I- know Matt Mullins' problem with Ricky Starks. What? I know it. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Ricky Starks wears mules, and Matt Mullins cannot respect any man what wears mules to the ring? You're not wrong.
1: You're not wrong, Stephen Pino. That's
2: that must be it. Well, I think personally, I think Ricky Starks is money, and I, I mean Cody. I, like Cody, sometimes I just sit back and think about how good Cody really is. Like it's something that that maybe people don't think about enough. Because Cody has really accomplished some amazing things here, and and he feels big fight every time he comes out. Every time he comes out, you feel like this is a big moment, and I cannot wait until Cody is feuding with Omega for the belt. That is going to be that's going to be the matches. That, that's going to be their Rock and Austin. That's going to be their AJ and Christopher Daniels. That's going to be their big match. I believe
1: it makes. I mean, that's what makes the show worth watching is anything cody's involved in you you see that he's given his all i mean it, it's awesome to see for sure do you see cody building to omega do you feel like that's where we're going Oh, for sure i'll for sure see that i think that that's it would have been easy like steven said that would have been easy to have been the first thing that when AEW started that would have been easy for them to do but now building it is awesome i think it's going to be awesome to see where do you stand steve
0: I really like this match a lot. You you know that I like Team Taz a great deal, uh, Ricky Stark's mules notwithstanding. And uh, Darby Allen is growing on me. I still think that he's a little undersized, uh, but you know the the kid can go. Uh, he really can. I mean, his threshold for pain and just what he's able to do. It's taken me a long time to warm up to Darby Allen, uh, but I have. Um, so, uh, I like this match a lot. All four of these guys can go. It, I thought it was a great match. I thought Cage – I think Cage gets better every week that he's in the ring. I see something more out of him, like him jumping up to kick Darby Allen in the chest?
1: Yeah.
0: Are you kidding me? I, that was an incredible move when they were having that program in the corner. The vertical right leap from hell. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. I, my goodness. And he's um, a mom. He's a monster. Like he is an <laughs> absolute monster and he's got great agility. Yeah. You know, you look at him and, and, and you see, a. I I think last week when we were talking, Brian, I said, Hercules Hernandez, uh, you know, a big Papa pump, Scotty Steiner. And some of those guys are so big, they can't move. Uh, and I don't know whether it's his youth or, Uh, or, you know, if the juice he's using is a little looser than other juice (laughs) or what exactly, but the guy can move to be that big.
2: Yeah, that's true. And what you said about Darby Allen, I was always the kid at the circus with a fistful of dollars trying to get into the freak show tent. So Darby Allen kind of has that same feel to me. Like he is like watching a freak show because this guy will literally hurt himself in front of you every single week and come back the next week for more. I don't even understand how he doesn't
1: stay on the injured list. yeah, I think he's he's just awesome. Uh, I was listening to Jericho's podcast at work uh, last week and he he just got like just got off on a tangent about how that Darby reminds him of Jeff Hardy. Uh, in so many ways. And I thought, I was like, man, that's really cool. Like, I I don't necessarily see his in-ring, uh, reminded me of Jeff Hardy, but, but, uh, it's really neat. And I think he's an awesome, an awesome talent to have for sure. It's just the balls he displays.
2: That's, I mean, that's really what it comes down to when you, I mean, just, I mean, think about from the gate, from the very first time you seen Darby Allen, we were seeing a coffin drop on a Cracker Barrel barrel. It was just like this, you know, he puts himself through some painful shit, and we've seen it every single week. And, and he just keeps coming back for more. Yeah, he stays healthier than Kevin Nash did back in the day. Was, he's got that ECW blood running he, through him. He or really you know? he does. He's got ECW all over him. So, the end of this match, we uh, <laughs> my only note for the end of this match was Will Hobbs sucks. And, uh, but, but I like, so Will Hobbs has been getting on my nerves for a while because they've never made any sense out of the fact of why he is Batman of AEW and he always swings in to rescue everyone. And, and he, he does it every single week, every single week. And, And now we find out it was all building up to a heel turn that no one gives a shit about. And now we've got to put Will Hobbs, who we still don't even know you have not even Introduced us to this man properly yet, but now he's a part of Team Taz, and now we're mucking up
0: the waters. I don't I, well, I, I think and it's like Matt said. Let me tell you how this could have been booked. All right. Are you listening, Tony? This is Steve in West Virginia. So just <laughs> listen up. There's only about. $6.99 billion difference in mining your net worth. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> the way this could have worked, the way this could have worked, is you have Cody or Dustin or QT or someone trying to recruit, what's his name? Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs into the Nightmare family. He's a product of the Nightmare Factory wrestling training camp. And we're so proud of him. We want him in the Nightmare family. And you put him out there for a number of weeks in Cody Rhodes' Mike Tyson entourage coming to the ring. You know, you don't just make him Batman swinging in saving people. You actually have some active recruitment of Will Hobbs into the Nightmare family. And then you you have him either watching or some interaction or some something... Of Team Taz and the disrespect that they're shown, and you know, people don't think as much of them as they should, or or what have you. You could come up with some, as Matt said, build-up. So, you know, give me something over a number of weeks that builds to this. And instead of this being Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen for no apparent reason versus Team Taz, you've got Cody Rhodes in there with Will Hobbs. And you know that team, that Taz has been chirping in Will Hobbs' ear for five or six weeks, saying, "Hey, don't go with the with the Nightmare Family. They're just going to use you. They're going to use you to protect Dustin and Cody. Come over here to Team Taz, and I'll take you to heights that you've never been to before. And then in at the end of the match or in the match, have Will Hobbs turn on Cody Rhodes. What do you think?" Uh, I mean, that's a lot better than us not
2: knowing who the fuck Will Hobbs really even is, and and why we should care, and then him turning on Cody, and we still don't know why we care. And we also, how about the fact that everybody turns on Cody? Does Cody have some serious social issues to where he can't be friends with anybody without them absolutely hating his guts and wanting to bash his head in with a chair? What well, what's the deal with that? Like, I, I don't I don't understand why everybody turns on Cody.
1: I don't know. I, I'm I'm drinking the Stephen P. New Day Kool Aid because that's what we needed. the the uh, We just need storyline. I mean, that's just what it's missing to me. I, I like every I like all these components about it, but there's not enough build for me to be invested into this stuff. So, like
0: Ex- exactly, Matt. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like you said. I don't care. Yeah. Why do I care that Will Hobbs turned? On Cody Rhodes, and who the fuck is it? MJF did, you know, and everybody has at one point or another.
2: Yeah, it's it's like it's just like the uh, oh, we got attacked in the back, and we don't know who did it. You you can't do the same shit over and over again and expect us to pop the same every single time.
1: Well, that's and that's the thing is like you have all these trolls saying you know AEW copies WWE, but you know which they're always going to say that. But how many times did WWE beat the dead horse of, uh, you know, the establishment or whatever? So, like, you can't beat the same storyline to death, but you still have to have a fucking (laughs) storyline. Yeah, you you have to have a storyline.
2: And the ones that you, I mean, it just seems like it's the, you know, they've got, like, four storylines. They throw them in a bucket. So, which one are we going to go with on this one? And
0: they pick it out. You're exactly right, Matt. I mean, you catch lightning in a bottle. Which is Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon, you know, once every so often, right. you know, uh, it, and and that happens by letting people just kind of play out their natural who they are. You you turn Steve Williams to eleven, all right, and you turn Dwayne Johnson to eleven, uh, you turn Mick Foley to eleven, you turn Mark Calloway to eleven, and, and you you same thing you, with Vince McMahon, right? Turn
2: Vince right. McMahon to eleven.
0: Turn Vince McMahon. Two and 11. I, he's a natural heel. I hate him. So, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and that's what they need to do here. But Tony Khan is the booker of, of all of this. And um, like Brian said, I, I'm not looking for soap opera writers here, but I am looking for some people who have some knowledge. And they've got some guys there. I'm wondering whether guys like Arn Tully, Jake... Who else they got? They got Jerry Lynn. Yeah. They've got uh, Fit Finley. God, they've got a bunch of guys in the back who know what good wrestling and good storylines look like. I mean, un- unless they're just phoning it in, you know.
2: Yeah, they've got. They've definitely got a locker room full of people that can teach everyone how to to take this to the next level. It's just a matter of if they want to or not. But I can't hate on Tony Khan because if I had this kind of money. I would have a wrestling company, too, and I would make up all the stories. And and I, and I wouldn't give a shit what anyone thought either.
0: Well, this isn't fantasy booking league, you know, with your wrestling action figures. Yeah, you're it is. You're trying to make a company go here on a nationally televised program. So, Yeah, but if you're you worth
1: $7 billion, you're like, yeah, who cares? I'm going to play
0: with yeah. these
2: wrestling toys. On,
1: on, on Arn's podcast like that's ended up being probably my favorite to listen to just because are so likable, but also his knowledge that I, and he talks about the build so much, like he talks about the build that he had with the horsemen, why they, they prolonged, you know, these matches for so long out. And I think that that's just what it's missing. We, I mean, you've got people pin up in their houses again, you know, with the pandemic, you've got to, a real opportunity, I think, to start building this storyline, and they haven't done it yet to me.
0: Well, and that was one thing. I listened to Court Bauer on Busted Open this morning. Court was talking about how hard it is to have the psychology and do the magic of wrestling in the absence of a live crowd. Now, AEW's got a little bit better of an advantage over WWE in the Thunderdome or a company like MLW that has an, you know, an empty stadium um, or arena, you know, wherever their TV studio, wherever they're filming. But I mean, because you have a little bit of crowd reaction, but it is hard to build heat and it's hard to get crowd reaction, whether it's from maneuvers or, you know, somebody's work on a mic or whatever. So that's why I think Tony Khan needs to be more cognizant of his story writing and his yeah. booking because we're in a very strange time right now.
2: yeah, you, know, you were talking about the Arne Anderson podcast, and i'm I'm gonna have to check that out again because I was listening at the very beginning. and I listened to about four or five episodes, and it was literally putting me to bed, man. I, I, I it was. I, I don't know what it. I love Conrad. I've always loved Conrad. Always been a fan of something to wrestle. Love eighty three weeks. Cannot stand the Tony Schiavone shit. But, uh, but the Arn one, man. I just couldn't. I couldn't get down with the Arn one or the Jr one because it was just, it seemed so slow in comparison to uh, to some of the other stuff.
1: I think that I think that Arns came out of his shell a lot more. I think that he's he's cutting up and telling stories that I wanted to hear. So I think Good. you should definitely check out the more recent yeah, I, ones. Yeah, I agree
0: with Matt. I, you know, he he's starting to hit a stride with podcasting where he's telling stories that people want to hear now. Uh, you know, more of that personality coming out. That if, you know, if you ever meet Arn, nicest guy in the world, quick witted as as all get out. And uh, and I, I agree with you, Matt. I'm starting to hear more and more of that and like it.
2: I still don't think there's any help in Tony Schiavone's,
1: though. Have you <laughs> you uh, have you done the like start the show with what is it called when you start the show at the same time? Oh, the uh, watch alongs. The, the watch alongs with yeah. Tony. It's I mean it's pretty entertaining. He, yeah. I mean t- it, Tony's definitely a mess. Like. Getting his wife involved in shit. pretty did, fun. It seems, Yeah. That
2: I see. I don't like that. Getting his wife involved and stuff. I don't like that. I also don't like the, uh, just the whole, I don't remember a motherfucking thing. You asked me. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I wasn't privy to that. Oh, the, <laughs> then what the hell are we doing here? Like, what's the point? And, and also how he goes gaga over Deborah and Medusa. Just, it's like it's a run on joke that I don't give a fuck about, and like, shut, up. <laughs> I tried really hard. I really did. I tried really hard for Tony Schiavone's show, and I just uh, it just didn't work. eighty three weeks,
1: though, man, I love eighty three weeks. love, oh yeah. Bischoff, you can man, he can you just hit play. he'll go the entire yeah. podcast. He, he's a gold mine. I'd say a word. yeah, he yeah. is
2: a gold mine. like absolutely, i I love Eric Bischoff. I, I don't give a shit who knows it. Eric Bischoff is awesome. Off. I hate
0: Eric Bischoff.
2: Why do you hate Eric Bischoff so bad?
0: He ran the company that should have won the Monday Night Wars into the ground.
2: Oh, they were never going to win the Monday Night Wars completely. Shit. And, oh, and come if it wasn't,
0: put somebody with a brain in there, if it wasn't, for, if it wasn't
2: for Eric Bischoff, they would have never competed in the in that type of arena anyway. They
0: would have never got
2: I don't there. Believe that. Oh, you got to give 83 Eric some- weeks
0: and still lost the war is what I'd call my podcast. If I were Eric Bischoff, <laughs> you
2: suck. Well, he did lose the oh. war, but man, he put up a fight. I'm, I, I, don't, I can't. You I, know
0: what? So did Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. They still lost.
2: Okay, Hitler won a few battles too. All right, so yeah, he's a white flag loser, but. He still did some really
0: awesome things, unlike Hitler. He fell stupid into Ted Turner's money is what he did. But he was partying with the best of the best
1: in his defense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, I I will
2: say I've read a lot of wrestling books, and his book is one of my favorites.
1: It's really
2: good, yeah. Yeah, Controversy Creates Cash. That is a phenomenal book. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, well, we've went a little long, and we've went a little out of subject, but there you have it, the good, the bad, and the ugly from AEW Dynamite tonight, and we will be back soon with a brand-new episode of House of Kayfabe, so keep a lookout for that in the next couple of days. And next week, we'll be back with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Keep it locked right here to the Kayfabe stream. This is House of House of Kayfabe.
0: House of Kayfabe. Well, there you have it. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right here on the Kfabe stream. Be sure to click subscribe.
2: This has been a product of Superior Radio Network.